You know, there have been countless final words that have been said throughout history. And some of those final words have been memorable. Some of them have been forgettable. Some of them have been, frankly, inspirational. I don't know that there are any more words that have resonated throughout the course of history, throughout mankind, than the final words of Jesus as He hung on the cross, dying for the sins of all mankind. When we go back to our text there in John chapter 19, we read these words beginning in verse 28. Maybe. It says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, To fulfill Scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to His mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, He said, It is finished. And He bowed His head and He gave up His spirit. See, I'm not advancing from down here, Dave. Not advancing from up there either. Okay, so that's all right. There is no doubt that those last words of Jesus resonated in the heart of people in dramatically different ways. And I'm sure for those who heard Him on that particular day, that it was probably a tone of of resignation that they had heard. You see, for the Romans, the Romans, I'm sure there were those who had been so annoyed by Jesus that between He and the Jews, that just so much had gone on, there was probably this sense of relief that everything was finally over. And probably for those religious leaders of the Jews who were so jealous of the popularity of Jesus, I can't help but think that in this moment there was a sense of great pride that they had finally ended this man's life. Maybe, maybe for Satan himself, this was a momentary celebration feeling as though he had the very Son of God dead. For those so close to Jesus, for those who had left everything to follow Jesus, for so many of them who in their heart of hearts, what they desired, what they misunderstood, they wanted this earthly kingdom to be restored and and to see Jesus fall so terribly short of that desire, that dream of theirs. I'm sure that these words... I'm sure that these words on that particular day had a a tone of defeat to them. But then Sunday came. And when Sunday came, those ladies went to the tomb and that enormous stone had been rolled away. And when Sunday came, Peter and John, they raced to the tomb only to find it empty. Everything was gone but the burial clothes of Jesus. And when Sunday came, the angel said, He is risen. He's not here. And when Sunday came, Jesus found His disciples hiding, afraid, in an upper room. And He showed them 
the scars in his hands of his resurrected body. If Jesus had not walked out of that tomb, the last words of Jesus would have been, (coughs) well, pretty irrelevant. And the only significance the day would hold was it would be a good day to wear pastels and to hunt plastic Easter eggs filled with chocolate. But that's not what happened. Jesus walked out. That's what makes today and every Lord's Day, and quite frankly, every day of a Christian's life here on earth, so significant, so special, so unique, because we serve a risen Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 there it says, beginning of verse 17, if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile. In other words, it's pointless and you are still in your sins. So not only if He was not raised, would your faith be in vain, you would still be lost. Then verse 20 says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. This means that those final words of Jesus on the cross, they were not words of defeat. They were in fact words of victory. In the Greek language, It's one solitary word that we translate into the English language, this phrase, it is finished. And in the Greek language, that particular word was used on different occasions to represent different things. And one of those things was that it would be used by a servant whenever a servant had been given a task to fulfill by his master. And when that task had been fulfilled, the servant would go back and say this to the master. So when Jesus said, it is finished, among other things, He had certainly fulfilled the task at hand. He had fulfilled the very will of His Father for sending Him to this earth to bring victory, not just over sin, not just over death, but to bring victory over the evil one Himself. Hebrews 2 and verse 14 says, since therefore children share in flesh and blood, that's us by the way, He Himself likewise partook of the same things. That through death He might destroy the One who has the power of death. That is the devil. Now does that mean that Satan's no longer active? No, that is not what that means. Every day Satan continues to tempt people to not believe in Jesus. Every day Satan continues to tempt those of us with faith to begin to lose our faith. And why is it that he does it? Why is he so successful at it? Because he is and forever will be the father of lies. We read in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, in their case, the God of this world, that is the devil, the God of this world, he has done what? He has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan is still playing his games. He's still playing his mind games. He's very effective at playing those mind games. But he's playing a losing battle. Because the battle has already been won. Jesus already won. And we praise God for that. It is finished. And listen, there will come a day There will come a day when Satan will truly understand that he has been defeated in all ways. Revelation 20 and verse 10 says, The devil who deceived them 
was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And until that day, until that day, you and I, we actually can play a part in beating up on the devil a little bit in this life. We so often think he has this great power over us. We make mistakes in this life, and what do we often say? Well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He didn't make you do it. You chose to do it. He put a temptation in front of you, but you chose to do it. The devil didn't make you do it. It's just easy to pass the buck because that's what we like to do. We certainly don't want to take the uh, fall ourselves and acknowledge our own shortcoming. But in this life, we can actually play a part in fighting back against Satan himself. Romans 16 and verse 20, Paul wrote, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. If you go back to the beginning of Romans chapter 16, there Paul is writing about men and women of faith, men and women of faith in the church who are diligently working to do their best to help spread the borders of the kingdom. Anytime you and I, we come together We use our time, we use our talents, we use our finances to further the cause of Christ. Satan takes a beating. Anytime you and I, we come together and we are praying with one another or for one another, Satan is taking a beating. Anytime we bring somebody to Christ, Satan is taking a beating. Anytime we share the gospel of Jesus with someone who doesn't know Jesus, Satan is taking a beating. Anytime we love one another the way God has loved us, Satan is taking a beating. You and I are not helpless in this battle against Satan. All we have to do is do what's right. And Satan will take a beating. I know though. I know just as well as you do. Some days we watch the news. Some days we we see the, the perversity of the world around us. And some days we feel like evil is winning. Evil has not nor will not ever win, church. The battle is already over. The victory is ours. Get your head out of the sand. Stop telling yourself that everything is horrible. That the devil's got everything. Don't let the devil have you. You can continue to fight him by simply doing what you've been called to do. May our attitude always be like that of the Apostle Paul who wrote in Romans 20, verse 24, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. We all have unfinished business. The same way the Apostle Paul, while he was on this earth, he had unfinished business. And that was the business of continuing to tell the others about Jesus. Continuing to tell others about Jesus who had overcome sin and death. Telling others about that empty tomb. Telling others that that is the reason we have hope. That that is the reason we understand this world's not our home. That we're just passing through. That is what we continue to do as long as there is breath in our body. Our ministry has not yet been fulfilled. We are to continue to tell those around us about Jesus. Now another way that this Greek word translated into the English phrase, it is finished, would be used, is sometimes it would be used 
in legal documents in reference to people who had served a complete term in prison or those who had paid in full a debt that they owed. So when Jesus, dying on the cross, said, it is finished, He was also proclaiming that our sins, our sins and the sins of all the world, were being paid for in full. In Colossians chapter 2, it says there, beginning of verse 13, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside. How? Nailing it to the cross. Again, Satan would love for us to believe he has power over us. Satan only has whatever amount of power we allow him to have. How does that happen? Well, sometimes it happens through something like shame. Something like shame where where we just can't forgive ourselves for our past mistakes, our past choices, and we want to live in the shame of those past mistakes. And when we begin to live in the shame of those past mistakes, we find ourselves not being able to grow, not being able to mature, not being able to really live for the Lord the way we know we should be and could be because we are so bound by the shame that we have allowed to capture us and keep us in the past instead of moving forward with our present and looking forward to our future. You, you ever battled shame? I have. It's a hard battle to fight. It's a harder battle sometimes to overcome and to be victorious. But here's the beauty. I don't have to be victorious over shame because someone was for me. Jesus Christ was victorious It is finished. He was victorious over all of our sin. And we praise Him for that. One of our purposes in this life is to do good and not evil. We go back to Romans 16 so we can see the verse before, verse 20 we looked at a moment ago, where Paul would write, for your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It's that simple. Satan takes a beating every time we do that which we know is right and we avoid that which we know is evil. When we make the right choices in this life, Satan is taking a beating. Now sometimes we go, but I try. I try and I try. But I just can't ever seem to consistently do right. There are things that just seem to have trapped me, things that I just can't seem again to to get past. And again, I I think if we've lived any time on this life and if we've strove to be the the Christians God has called us to be, I think all of us have found ourselves in those moments where we think, you know, I just need to work a little bit harder. Working harder is not going to be the answer. Now listen to me, church. You don't have to work harder to be set free because you've already been set free. Please hear that. Please understand that. You don't have to work harder to be set free 
Christ has already set you free. Now you have to make a decision though. Will you live in freedom or you live in bondage? Will you live where God wants you to be or will you continue to live in the ways of this world? That's a choice you make. No one else. Not even the devil himself. That's a choice that only you can make. Do you choose freedom do you choose hope? Do you choose the promise of life everlasting? Or do you choose death and destruction and the uncertainty and the pain of this life? It's a choice you make. It's a choice I have to make. But we can know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, we can have to make the changes that need to be made in our life. Listen to what the Apostle Paul would write us. He would write about his prayer for the church at Ephesus here in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning of verse 19. He says, What is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? The immeasurable power of those who, for those who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church. There is absolutely nothing that we cannot overcome, not by our own power, but by the power of Christ in us. But do we believe that? Do we live for that? Jesus died after living a perfect life. As our, as our brother David explained so beautifully just a few moments ago as we partook of the Lord's Supper together. And I, I know that you recall that under the Old Testament, those sacrifices that the priests would make for the children of Israel, those sacrifices were very particular. Those sacrifices had to be perfect. They had to be without spot. They had to be without blemish. And so the only sacrifice that would be worthy worthy for my sin and yours is someone who could walk through this life, be tempted, but never give in to the sin. And that's what my Jesus did. He lived a perfect, sinless life. A life without spot. A life without blemish. That is the reason and the only reason that He could be that Lamb of God. That, that sacrifice that takes away the sin of all the world. So it is finished then. It becomes a, a declaration that, that Jesus, that He never gave in. He never gave in to temptation and sin. The Hebrew writer would put it this way in Hebrews 4, beginning in verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Victory over temptation. That's what allowed him to be that perfect, sinless sacrifice, that sacrificial lamb. 
2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin. He was perfect. He knew no sin. Why? So that in Him we, we might become the righteousness of God. It's amazing. It's wonderful. So what do we do about it? Well, what should our response to the victory of Jesus be? What should our response to that empty tomb, not just today, but every day we wake up, what should our response to that, that empty tomb be? Go back to Scripture. Hebrews chapter 13 says, beginning verse 12, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through His own blood. Verse 15 then says, Through Him. Through Him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge His name. Have, have you ever been to a, a game, ball game of some sort? Basketball is usually where it happens. Where seemingly out of nowhere, a portion of the crowd will begin to sing. And, and of course, I'm no singer, but typically the song goes something like this. Uh, you don't have to join me, by the way. <laughs> sha-na-na-na, sha-na-na-na, hey, 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 goodbye. You ever been in that environment when that song gets sung? Now let me ask you, uh, does that song typically get sung at the beginning of a game? No. Oh. That, that song is typically sung when victory is in hand, when, when the student section, when all the fans who are there, when the mamas and the daddies, when everybody knows victory is ours, they'll begin to sing. Church, victory is ours. And we should be a people who live like it. And we should be a people that from our lips we, we are continuing to speak and to sing and to praise God because we know. We know exactly what He's done for us. And we understand how powerful the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus really are. We understand who He is and what He's done for us. We appreciate that, that precious Lamb of God. We appreciate that power of God that raised Him from the dead. We appreciate that empty tomb because that allows us that allows us to serve and to worship not a dead King, but a risen Savior. A Savior who we believe He is alive. And because He is alive, we, we can live forever in just a moment we're going to sing a song of encouragement and church i would encourage you to sing like the victors you are to let your voices and your heart spill forth as we praise god in song together and, and as we sing this song traditionally this song has become what we call a song of encouragement 
If you're here today and you've never obeyed the Gospel of Christ, if you, by faith, have never reenacted the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus through your own baptism in that watery grave, the water's ready if you are. As I look around, though, I see so many of us that I feel have probably made that choice at some point in life. Most important choice you'll ever make, by the way. But are we living our life for a risen Savior? Are we living our life where that continual offering of praise is coming forth from our lips? Because we know, we know what our Father has done for us. We understand the sacrifice Jesus has made for us. We can help you in any way today. Won't you come as we all stand and sing to praise God and encourage one another?